Welcome, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. This is Brother Jimmy Fortunato, and you're listening to a sermon from the Pilgrim Baptist Church in Tennessee. For more information about our church, please visit us on the web at pilgrimbaptist.church. Galatians chapter number 1, we're going to start reading. We're not going to get too far verse-wise, but we'll get a lot out of this this morning. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 1, verse number 10, For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. Father God, help me tell the truth from Your Word in the right way, with the right attitude. We pray that Your saints are edified, and we'll thank You for it. Lord, help us to glorify You. Amen and amen. Guess who God chose to be able to best defend this Gospel? At least right now in the book of Galatians, it's good old Paul. Right. <laughs> Isn't that great? He knows firsthand the bondage that comes from religion, from law-keeping. Mm -hmm. Who better suited? And God great, everything He does, no matter way, however you try to think about it, He's got it right. And He says in Galatians chapter 1, verse 11, But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of Me is not after man. Right. First point I want you to see this morning, the glorious majesty of the gospel is something no human mind could ever, ever invent. That's why it says in 1 Corinthians 1.23, but we preach Christ crucified. Under the Jews, what? A stumbling block. Mm -hmm. Under the Greeks, foolishness. The Gospel is completely opposed to human intellect mm -hmm. because it is not after man. It is meant to completely change human thinking to receive divine thinking and give you a divine transformation. The Gospel is not meant to destroy mankind. Right. It's to renew our mind. It brings our mind to exalt the glory of God. The Gospel is meant to refine us. That's why the Bible says the words of the Lord are pure words as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. The Word of God gets tried and tried and tried and every time it gets tried and tested, guess what? It comes out pure and pure and pure and pure and pure. Mm -hmm. That's what the Gospel does for us. It's the Word of God. It is not meant to destroy. But we have these Judaizers now that are taking Paul's converts and they're just going in reverse gear. Every single thing the human mind invents, basically the gospel is opposed to. <laughs> Happy Sunday. It is. Human mind. It's self-pleasuring love. The mind of Christ. Self-sacrificing love. The human mind. Man has to claim his superiority. The mind of Christ, the gospel, God is superior. 
And the gospel has no superior. The human mind. Well, my, my heritage. Well, my lineage. Well, my religion. Well, my race. No, one blood. We all need Christ and the gospel. The human mind. How to deal with the world's problems. The glorious majesty of the gospel. It dealt with the world's problems on the cross. The human mind. The morality of man for the glory of man. That's not the gospel. It's the morality of God. Which when we come into contact with that, we realize we have all fallen short. Number two, the gospel doesn't care what you think. That's right. Although God greatly cares about you, and because of that, He wants you to think different. And He wants you to know it's not after man. Uh, let's look at Galatians 1. Let's get verse 10. The Bible says, For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please man? For if I yet pleased man, I should not be the servant of Christ. Get Psalm 34, if you would. Psalm 34. Psalm 34, verse 8. You can hear Paul's opposition. Come on, Paul. Come on. You're trying to form your own little click club here. Come on, you're playing both sides against the middle so you can kind of come out on top. You know, politicians do that all the time. Come on, Paul, you're a law-keeping Jew. Now you're trying to take these Galatian Gentiles and you're trying to tell them, come on, what's going on? You're trying to catch Paul. Now the opposition always misses the simplicity of the gospel. They always do. They draw conclusions, the opposition, and they make judgments based on their misconceptions of the gospel. And then the opposition, they miss it because they just want to miss it. Mm -hmm. Well, because the gospel humbles man. The gospel calls men and women and boys and girls to repent. So the opposition wants to miss it. How many of you kids want to sign up for going home today and you're going to have to be humbled in front of your brother or sister? And then you're going to have to repent in front of your brother or sister. Now that's the simplicity of the gospel right there. No child, no sibling wants to go home and do that this afternoon. We want to avoid that. And the opposition to the gospel, they want to miss it because they don't want to repent. They don't want to humble themselves. But the Bible says, look, Psalm 34, verse 8. Watch this. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusted in Him. Your taste buds get used to popular foods. Oh, yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Probably going to happen to Brother Jed when he's over in Indonesia. If it hasn't happened already, it's going to take some tasting mm -hmm. to get used to some of the, some of the food. Well, guess what? It's the same way with our opinions. Yeah. It's the same way with our traditions. It's the same way with our philosophy and our way of thinking and approaching life. And the first time you taste a new food, it's a shocker. 
the first time you come into contact with the gospel, it's a shocker, but you better taste and see that the Lord is good. You got to taste it. Give out the taste tests. Give out the taste tests. Let people taste. They, they, They sell it that way in restaurants and in food eateries all the time. Here, taste this. Ooh, that's good. All right, what do we have uh, in Galatians chapter 1? Uh, we're going we're gonna to stop, pause, and park here on a thought. For I, uh, verse number 10, for do I now persuade man, let's get, get back to Galatians 1, or God, or do I seek to please man? For if I yet pleased man, I should not be the servant of Christ. Mm-hmm. We're going to look at three reasons why freedom, serving Christ, is better this morning. One, it's the highest and greatest honor to freely serve the risen Christ. The world says, I want to be somebody. The Bible says he must increase, but I must decrease. Matthew 12, the Bible says, behold my servant whom I have chosen. I know Christ died for my sins. Do you know Christ died for your sins? It was the, I know that's why I went to the cross. And you do too. It was an honor for God the Son to serve God the Father. We put, He died for me on the cross as first. Yes, but no. It was an honor for the Son to serve God the Father. An honor. And in doing that, He paid the sin debt for us all. And it's the highest praise and honor of a preacher to serve Christ and a missionary to serve Christ and a Christian to serve Christ. It's the highest honor. But the world says servants are second class. They're worthless. we got to get that world thinking out of our noggins. Because if we think like that, we are not fit to serve. We don't think like the world. Won't this be a step down? Well, yeah, if you're on the throne, it's a step down. (laughs) Won't this be degrading? Yeah, if you're counting on people to treat you like a king, and if I'm counting on people to treat me like a king, then yeah, it's degrading. But just remember, Christ on the cross. Now, what was all that degrading stuff? It's perspective. Right. Everybody's real keen on serving until they're treated like a servant. Here's a fact. You and I have one of two choices. There's not a third choice. There's no neutrality. We're either going to be the servant of Christ or the Bible says we're going to be the servant of sin. Right. We can choose. Nobody here, I am convinced, will ever kill anybody. Nobody here will ever turn out to be the town drunk. Nobody here will be a certain lewd fellows of baser sort. (laughs) None of us are going to end up that way. No, instead, 
We might worship something else. Maybe money, maybe wealth, maybe we long for recognition, maybe we long for the applause of mankind, maybe we'll just be so self-consumed with whatever it is we're consumed with. All of it is completely degrading to God. We need to stop justifying ourselves because we don't kill people and we're not the town drunk. If we're consumed and drunk with ourselves, what's the difference to God? There is none. It just impresses the neighbor of the town or whatever social status or club we're a part of. Don't get caught serving your own passions and pride and the opinions of this evil world. You and I have been set free from all of that. Don't let the world look down on you as a poor little old servant of Christ. No, this world needs you as a gospel witness. This world is lost and it's dying and we must gather up the fragments so that none is lost. Young people, pay attention. Gather them up. You're playing around at the park? Gather up all the kids after play. Tell them about Jesus. Don't be afraid to talk about them. The world needs you because you and I have something far better. I got something better to trade you with. It's the highest honor. It's the greatest honor because we've been set free. Now, why is freedom in Christ better? One, it's the highest and greatest honor to freely serve the risen Christ. Number two, you are free and you are serving Christ. Here's what I mean. You are free. There's a difference in words. There's a difference between a bondservant and a servant. Now, the New King James Bible changes this translation and they'll say bondservant. A bondservant's a slave. I'm not a slave. A bondservant, you and I, our liberty is restrained. I have complete liberty. We'll see that later in Galatians 5. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. We're servants of Christ, just like the Bible says. A servant is different than a slave. The servant's subjection to a master is voluntary a slave's is not (laughs) it could be said this way every slave is a servant but every servant is not a slave the exactness of scripture is important the message bible actually go as far as to use the word slave The NIV actually gets it better than the New King James, but both the NIV and the American Standard Version both destroy that exactness of that word servant in the footnote, which to me, there's not really a difference. You're either going to outwardly wear it on your cuff or you're going to hide it. But you're free. You're free. I said you're free to either serve Christ or serve sin. But you are free to do whatever you want to do. You're free. Don't miss that. And, and, and the second part of that is, why don't you pay attention? 
you are serving Christ. Let's, let's stop and park. People say, well, yeah, I serve God. I understand that, but sometimes phrases are used to not say something. And sometimes it's not a matter of what people say, it's what they actually leave out and don't say. If you're saying you serve God because you're trying to use it as a way to say that Christ isn't God, that's an example. And people will do that. They will use specific phrases because they are deliberately not trying to admit or say something. Christ is God. By serving Christ, guess what? You are by default serving and trusting in the one true and living God. So you're serving Christ by default. You serve God. Now look at verse 11. Look at verse 11 there. Let's see. Let me miss. All right, here's what it says. But I certify you. I've got a lot of certificates. <laughs> I've earned more certificates in martial arts, and I've given out more certificates in martial arts than I can count. I went to Bible school at the end of that four years of, uh, of, of training in school. I got a piece of paper. It was signed by about four men. I got a certificate. I got an ordination certificate signed by which I would consider one of the top 50 Bible expositors that are alive today. I'm really proud of that certificate. I am sure you have a lot of certificates that you've earned throughout the years. But what is more important the certificate that certifies you or how you act and live that certifies you? The Bible says in Acts 13, I want you to stay with me on this thought because i got four points on this. As many as were ordained to eternal life believed. So what's more important? A piece of paper that says you're certified? That you got? when you were either baptized or saved or there's a lot of ordained ministers that have a certificate that haven't witnessed to anybody in years. They've never preached on the street. They've never knocked on the door. They don't give gospel tracts out. It can be embarrassing when you have Children in good Bible-believing churches that have given out more gospel tracts than some certified, ordained ministers. I'm not saying don't do one rather than the other. What I'm saying is, what is more important? What certifies you more? So here's the question. Are you compelled to tell a lost person that they can be ordained to eternal life by believing? Or are you satisfied that as a child you got a VBS certificate because you memorized all of your verses? Yeah, I love that. Right? 
I'm not saying don't memorize your verses. I'm not saying get your certificate. I'm not saying don't hang it on the wall. What I'm saying is what is more important? The Bible says the power that be are ordained of God in Romans 13. So you have a boss that you have to serve. We have a government that we don't like. We have a company that treats us unfair. But God says, those are ordained of God. <laughs> so what's more important? The sales certificate that we got from the company? The graduation certificate that we got from the trade school? Or that you serve in a Christ-like manner in that job, with that company, for that boss? I'm not saying don't get the certificate. What I'm saying is, what do people see more? What certifies you and me more? 1 Corinthians 9, the Bible says, Even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. Praise the Lord, I preach on the street. Praise the Lord, I give out tracts. Okay, what's better, that or obeying the entire verse yeah. and living of the gospel? Yeah. I've known both. I've known people that can give it to you straight down the line, open air, preaching, but they really don't live a life that I would want to have my children be subject to. We have to ask, what certifies you and I more? We are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus and the good works. Right which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. That's Ephesians 2. Now here's what's more important. Knowing that you and I were created in Christ and we were ordained unto good works or truly in obeying the entirety of that verse which says, walk in them you see the difference we're trying to understand as we split these verses but i certify you brethren that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man verse number 10 at the end it says i should not be the servant of christ I went through all those verses to basically say this. God ordained us to be the servants of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, amen. By serving Christ, we serve God. By not serving Christ, we are going against what God has ordained us to do. We're not called to serve sin. We're called to serve Christ. And by default, when we end up not serving Christ, we don't serve God because Christ is God. Wrap up that thought by saying this, the powers that be are ordained of God. Serve Christ as you work for your boss. The Bible says, it talks about the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live the gospel. So live it. You know what God before ordained that we should do. Since we're all in Christ, these good works, well, we should do them. <laughs> so let's walk in them and do them. All right, now grab 1 Corinthians 7.
Why is freedom in Christ better? Why is it better? One, it's the highest and greatest honor to freely serve the risen Christ. Two, you and I are free and you and I are serving Christ. And by default, by serving Christ, we serve God. Three, you're not hired to serve. Right. You and I were bought with a price. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. The Bible says, For he that is called in the Lord, being a servant, is the Lord's free man. Likewise, also he that is called, being free, is Christ's servant. You're bought with the price. Be not ye the servants of men. He's not looking to please men. He's not looking to persuade men. He's a servant of Christ. By default, he's a servant of God. We have to make a choice. We're going to serve God. We're going to serve man or serve sin. I want you to stop and just think about that. You go back to chapter 6 in 1 Corinthians verse 20. For you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Yeah. This is why our opinions, our thoughts, everything we come up with, we really got to filter it through the Bible. We really ought to filter it. What, what do you think God thinks? You can hire people and then you set the terms and conditions. You say, I want somebody to remodel my kitchen. This is what you want them to do. This is what you hired them to do. This is the time frame you want it done. This is the agreement of sale. He signs it. You signed it. Guess what? There's limitations. There's an end point. The boss sets the expectations. You exceed the expectations. I exceed the expectations. We get a raise. But the boss makes the rules. We follow the boss's rules or the boss says you're fired. That's how it works. But that's not how our relationship with Christ works. It's not. Although, in God's Word, when we read it, we can clearly see that God does expect some things from us through the reading of His Word, right? We will all agree with that. Parents have expectations of their children. School teachers have expectations of their students. Bosses have expectations of their employees. Employees have expectations of their bosses. Amen? We get it. God has this in His Bible for us. Mm -hmm. And He expects Christians to live a certain way, think a certain way, speak a certain way, sing a certain way. All those expectations are there. But He didn't hire us to do that. Right. He bought us with a price. We should gladly serve Him. Amen. We're not hired. Help! We were purchased with the blood of Jesus Christ. And we can choose to serve Him because we are completely and indebtedly grateful to serve Him. Mm -hmm. Now you'll suffer the consequences if you don't. Don't run across that parking lot and into that street or you can get hit by a car. Kid does it one time and he skates across. He does it a second time, dead. You think you can skirt sin? You might once, but the consequence the second time might not work out the way you thought it would. 
we go hiking. I told this before, and there's a sign that says at, at the One Falls, you know, don't pass this point. There's a sign. There's a thing. I passed over it. Nothing happened. Great. Now, how far past the line do you want to go? Don't mess around with sin. If God says don't do it, you're free to do it. But He's got your best intention in mind. The line is drawn. You step over the line, you don't die. You step over the line, the earth doesn't swallow you up. You step over the line, the preacher don't come hard on you. You step over the line, mom and dad don't see it. Now let me ask you something. How far past the line do you want to go? Sin. That's sin. I lived once. Okay, gamble that you live a second time. God's got the best for you. You've got to decide if you want to serve Christ and be the servant of Christ or you want to serve sin and serve man. We all got to make that choice. Sorry for the little Billy Sunday jump. I just got a little excited there. In whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Your life is hid with Christ and God. Romans 3, For all have sinned to come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood, to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God, the humiliation, the wounds, the stripes, the spitting, the smiting, you go through that. The anguish, the crown of thorns, the blood, the humiliation, and the anguish. And if you did go through it, you couldn't save anybody, let alone yourself. Do you know how powerful God is? You go stretch out something and make the clouds. Yeah. Go ahead, call yourself up. We're not doing it. God's powerful. And the Almighty God went through that and He could have wiped every single one of those folks out. And we sit on our throne. We ought not. Let's strive to be servants of Christ, not of man, not of sin, but serve Christ. By serving Christ, you serve God. It's a blessed service. It's a peaceful service. It's an honorable service. Right. We're, we're going to honor and celebrate Sister Lois's 90th birthday. Serving the Lord. Pretty much her entire life. That's honorable. Honorable. I didn't get into serving God till my late 20s. Praise God, I, He got me through. I'm still serving Him in, in, in the 30s. Hopefully, I'm getting better serving Him in my 40s. But I just want to praise God that I can serve Him in my 50s, my 60s, my 70s, my 80s. My, I mean, how do, you, yeah. how do you do that? You just yield yourself and your life to God. You think somebody that's 90 hasn't had problems? 
You think raising kids, grandkids, and great-grandkids don't come without problems? You have a million reasons to fall out of church. A million. Just pick one. You want to serve Christ or not? You and I can have a million reasons. You're thinking about getting out of church. You're thinking about getting out of serving Christ. Call Sister Lois up. Take her out to lunch. She'll talk you out of it in about two minutes. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. You talk to somebody that's that old. Mind hurts. Head hurts. Knees hurt. Back hurts. You're talking to me. You're giving me a headache. You're hurting me. Just shut up. Get out there and serve God. That's about, that's, about, that's about the advice. We all can come up with reasons and excuses that in our own mind, in our own human intellect, it'll make sense. It always does. That's why guys buy stuff at Lowe's. <laughs> in their head, it made sense. That's why on the way home, they're trying to think about how they can either hide it from their wife or talk her into it that it was really a good idea. <laughs> that's us. That's us. Finish with this. As a servant of Christ, here is what God expects, expects of you and I. The expectation is there. He's not going to force you. and He's not going to force me. But two expectations. One, 1 Corinthians 2 says we have the mind of Christ. So submit your thoughts and your mind to Him. Do you have an opinion? We all do. Can you put it aside? Your philosophy and your judgment to have the mind of Christ. Good. Submit your thoughts and your mind to Him. Number two, 1 Corinthians 9 says, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. The military can do this for rank. Martial arts can do this for rank. Sports can do this for advancement on the team. And we get saved and we're like, yeah, I don't want to do that, God. Why will you drill that move 50 times over a week? But when God asks us to do something, well, I really have to do it 50 times, God? We come up with all sorts of spiritual reasons that we never, ever would have thought of right. when the track coach said, no, run around the lap again. We would have never looked that coach in the eye and said, no, coach, I've had enough. But we shake our fists at God. No, Lord, I've had enough. I don't really want to pray an extra two minutes this week. We ought not be that way. Submit your body to Him. That's what I'm trying to say. Your physical body has an appetite. It wants comfort. Yep. Your lips speak things. Your hands do things. Your ears listen to things. Your feet go places. Your eyes look at stuff. And your nose and your lungs sniff and inhale things. What's it going to do? What's it going to be? Serving Christ with your body? Or serving sin? Or serving man? If you can apply, and if I can apply these two principles... Submitting your thoughts and your minds to Him and submitting your body to Him. One, it's reasonable. Number two, if you can apply those things, you'll have a family that's guided by Christ. You'll have a company or a business or a work 
atmosphere that's guided by Christ. We'll have a church family that's guided by Christ. And what will happen is that Christ-like influence will then start to multiply and increase from there. Would you bow with me, please? Heavenly Father, thank You for Your Word. I do pray the principles are easy to understand. I thank You, Lord, You can use me. Lord, we thank You for Your Bible. and Just help us to serve You, Lord. We ask this all in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks a bunch for listening. For more information about Pilgrim Baptist Church, be sure to visit us online at pilgrimbaptist.church where you can also send me a personal message or learn more about joining us for a church service. And remember, Christ is all.